0: By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help.
1: Hello, and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, So we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, Except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, So we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group and so every episode I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, So I hope you guys enjoy.
2: Let's go to the movies.
3: It's something to do.
1: Guys, I'm so excited about this one. This week we talked about The Social Network, which is one of my favorite films ever made. Um, I marked it last year. I did a sort of decade in review uh, movie list and The Social Network. I didn't rank them because best isn't a thing. um, But The Social Network, if I had had to rank them, would have been what I consider the defining movie of the 2010s, even though it came out in 2010. Um, Which is so funny in retrospect, the idea, I remember thinking at the time that like 2010, Facebook had already existed for six years or something like that. And so like, wow, they're making this movie about six year old technology. It could go away at any point and this movie will immediately be redundant. But instead we've had, you know, 10 years on Facebook is bigger and more influential than ever. And so it, it is, it almost seems quaint in retrospect, um, I think more than any other movie I can think of off the top of my head, this movie has aged, if not well, certainly interestingly. Um, it's definitely not any less relevant than it was. Um, it's just, it's been, it, reframing it by historical context is fascinating um so if you haven't gotten a chance to revisit the social network since it came out i highly recommend it it is a really interesting watch in 2020 um you probably know this but it's a i'm gonna call it semi wikipedia calls it biographical but i'm gonna call it semi biographical because it is very not accurate um because lots of uh differences were put in there um lots of liberties were taken with the truth in order to tell the most interesting cinematic story. Um, And we get into that on the call, the sort of um, morality of making that decision. I've generally been for it. Um, and my thinking might be evolving on that issue, so I'm going to call it a semi-biographical film. Um, it's directed by David Fincher, obviously written by Aaron Sorkin. He wrote, won the Oscar for this, um, and it's adapted sort of. It's from a from a book, um, a nonfiction book called The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Mesrick. But it was adapted. It was written based on the outline of the book. The book hadn't even come out yet, so uh, I don't know that you can really call it based on a book. But anyway, it's amazing. The cast is. Really, one of the great casts. It uh, this is movie is responsible for kickstarting the careers of uh, Andrew Garfield and Army Hammer, and actually, and kind of Max Mincella, but Mingella, but also definitely, um, uh, what is her name? Why can't I think of her name? That morose girl, Mara Rooney Mara. Thank you. Sorry. Um, she <laughs> Rooney Mara. So like this. this this movie discovered a lot of people and really launched them into sort of like the next generation of major movie stars. A lot of them came from this movie, which is such a bizarre reality to think of. It's like the original cast of rent or something. Um, Yeah. I'm going to stop ranting now. I love this movie. You should really rewatch it and then listen to our discussion. Tell me what you think. Uh, Meanwhile, I did not really watch this movie. I meant to, I had every intention to, because I love this movie, um, and I straight up ran out of time because Sorkin's sort of weirdly taken over my life lately. <laughs> um, and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours today breaking down the cast of The Farnsworth Invention for Corona Cold Reads on Saturday, um, which if anyone's listening to this in podcast form, it's already in the past. Um, but at the <laughs> time we're recording this, it's in the future, and I was doing the casting for today, And then it just got, like, the time was ticking on. It was 6.07 by the time I turned the movie on. It's a two-hour movie, and I had to pick up my dog from the Humane Society in between because she had water therapy. I know this is a lot of details. Um, So, yeah, basically I fast-forwarded. I watched a lot of the first act and then kind of fast-forwarded and hit a couple key scenes and then watched the last scene. Um, because one of the thing, things, I, I find this movie has actually aged remarkably well, considering it's about technology and, like, it's very of its time. Um, but the thing that has aged the worst is the epilogue, where they're like, Facebook is now worth $5 billion, has <laughs> 500 million users. And they're, like, the tone is supposed to be, that's, like, so shocking and 10 years later um we are where we are so <laughs> anyway those are my thoughts i love this movie
2: um I i'm still trying to remember when it came out like where facebook was like they hadn't done a genocide yet but
1: <laughs> but they also hadn't done the arab spring yet so it was like you know just starting out
3: so like I personally forgot how much I love this movie, as you said, like, but in starting it, I was, like, jettisoned back to when I watched it the very first time, I think it was freshman year of college, and, like, the the part where he's making fun of his girlfriend, he's like, you don't need to study, you go to BU, and I just remember the entire, like, Quad was just like, boo. And then like I went to a McDonald's and some guy at McDonald's was like, Oh, you go to BU? Does the movie says you don't have to study? And then I like forgot about that, rewatched this movie a little while ago and was like shot right back. It was awful. I remember that.
1: Because there was, I remember there was a big article in the BU student paper about how disrespectful it was to have this movie making fun of BU. And they interviewed our friend Morgan. And Morgan was like, um, I'm pretty sure it was a joke about how he's a jerk. And it's like, not the movie's point of view. Isn't that the stupid? <laughs> it's that Mark Zuckerberg's a jerk. And it yeah. was the only, everyone else in the article was like, oh my God, how dare they insult my intelligence? And then Morgan's like, I mean,
3: you maybe didn't get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you not understand movies?
3: but no truly just like yeah. I forgot how well done this movie is, as you as you said um and like the fuck you flip-flop scene like I think a bunch of people were parodying, parodying it in the beginning of quarantine but like to rewatch it and not have like Dylan O'Brien trying to do it I was like ah this yeah this is good Mwah.
1: I think that's a scene I fast forwarded through because I don't know what you're referring to
0: it's a very quick the lawyer scene. of
3: asshole scene at the, the end, where he's scene. like, "My sweatshirt, my fucking flip flops." Oh, oh yeah, that one. Right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I'm seeing no yeah. bitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Saya, you made a face, and I'm interested in why you made the face. Wait, when did I make the face? When she, I think, when she was talking about the flip flop scene, because that's the best scene. Oh, it was a good face. Okay, yeah. I thought it was like a, it was a mm, face.
4: No, that is like the best. Like, how do you not remember like the iconic scene? If if Andrew Garfield was nominated for best supporting actor as he should have been, that's the scene they would have played in his reel at the Oscars. He okay, amen. Um, talk about they it. Did, they
0: did cover. play that that reel. They always played that scene. I think when they referred to the movie, at uh, in in um whatever nomination category.
1: Um, it was nominated for a bunch of things. It won screenplay. Um, but I agree with you that Andrew Garfield should have been nominated. I remember feeling very strongly at the time that he was the best thing about the movie. Um, and it's this weird reality where, like, this movie launched so many people. Like, this was the first time anyone had seen Rooney Mara. It was the first time anyone had seen Andrew Garfield's first time anyone had seen Army Hammer. And it was also like still pretty early for Rashida Jones. Like it was, it was a big, you know, launching pad.
4: Johnson was there for like two seconds.
1: Yeah, she's uh, Sean Parker's girlfriend. Um, yeah, like it, it was a big discovering people movie, which I don't think um, Fincher and the casting team get enough credit for. Because um, I always think that's such a big deal when that happens. But I do think it's interesting to watch. Like Army Hammer, I feel like has. Had a lot of really interesting projects since then, and Andrew Garfield, the best he's ever been, will always be the social network. Like, he seemed because he was (laughs) good in this movie, like, he seemed like he was gonna be amazing. And then he keeps, I always say about him, he keeps trying to have Eddie Redmayne's career when he should have like Hugh Grant's career because he's very, very charming in like charming roles. And then he tries to do things that are really, really, really hard, and he can't, he's not Eddie Redmayne. Um, so I think this is the pinnacle of his career. But I'm also a huge Army Hammer fan, so you can't ever tell me that Army Hammer isn't hasn't been amazing in every single thing he's ever done.
2: <laughs> amazing and deeply unlikable. I just want to punch him all the time. and i want i I wondered watching this movie if it was the Winkle Vi coming back like, <laughs> I if think, I maybe see the Winkleby all the time to- in every I think
1: Army Hammer is more than any other person I can think of on the planet, like his brand is kind of the the guy you want to punch, and mm-hmm. he knows that and he takes roles specifically that like that's what it's called for because yeah. like in every category that one can imagine, he is the most privileged person, like he's except literally for
2: not having a stupid name.
1: Well, except that, except that his, he's named after his grandfather, who was like an early investor in Armand Hammer baking soda. And <laughs> like, without being a movie star, he's like yes. the heir to some crazy fortune and grew up on the Cayman Islands because of because his grandfather's name was Armand Hammer. So, like, a, yes, it's <laughs> kind of dumb that he has a, it's like he has a dumb name. So let's make fun of him. But on the other hand, that particular thing was also I don't know like even things like he has a beautiful speaking voice and perfect hair and he's six foot five and like all the obvious ones too in terms of when we actually talked about privilege but like like even like little little things like he could have had a high voice but no he didn't you know <laughs> he's just so I think he knows that about himself and so he leans into it in taking roles because it yeah. helps in terms of like it's like what he brings to the part. Um, Anyway, I love him, but you're right, but also I love him.
0: (laughs) I think uh, Andrew Garfield really carries this film um, in such a great way. Uh, His character is the one I care about, maybe the only one I care about um, in this whole film, because, like, you want to hate Mark. Um and you do and the movie wants you to um except maybe near the end which is confusing but um Rooney Mara's character you kind of want to like you you empathize with her you kind of feel her thing but she's not really in the movie um a lot even though it's all about her in some way (laughs) um and I think she does do a good job um being like, you're you're kind of done with me, Mark. You're, we're done. You need to get over it. And he's just not getting over it. Um, yep, that was my, my note about Andrew Garfield.
1: Um, I actually kind of disagree a little bit. I think that one of the things that this movie does really well, and I think is particularly notable because Sorkin doesn't normally do this, Um, but the idea of like everyone's kind of unlikable like it's not a story about heroes which is like the opposite of what Sorkin always does Um, is really interesting but I think he like couldn't help himself and ended up in the end making something where like most people I think Sean's purposely a bit of a cartoon but everybody else is like a person and has their moments where they're like I I do, I find it fairly easy to empathize with the Winklevii and with every, like, you're right that Eduardo is like the guy that is the most sympathetic character, but I think every person in the movie has moments where... Wait,
3: sorry, did you say you sympathize with the Winklevii?
1: I can at certain points, yeah. (laughs)
3: Okay, okay. What I'm
1: saying is every single person in this movie, there's points at which I can see them as people and not just as... um, antagonists or obstacles or whatever
2: I think I can empathize with the Winklevi when they disagree with each other <laughs> when they become people for me instead of just like a blonde mass of privilege and I think yeah, it's, incredibly it's how well they
1: are distinguished from each other oh yeah that's a huge yeah. achievement in both the writing and the performance that they are not the same person
2: yeah
0: and that's a great drama to see just between that side of like we're Harvard people. We could. We don't do like we don't go to court and make drama and all this shit. Um, and then they're like, but we have a legitimate claim. <laughs> like it's it's legit. It's gonna be like this is against the rules. It's against the law. All this other stuff. So it's great to see that little drama unfold just between those those three actors. Because. Um, yeah, um, but, uh, but I think that Andrew, like, Andrew's, Andrew Garfield's arc, uh, sorry, what's his name? Eduardo. Uh, Eduardo's, Eduardo and Mark's arc is the whole, like, is the whole movie. And it's Eduardo is carrying this, this fight towards this team, this, his partner, that's just not, it's not working out at first. It's, he's, He's just trying to keep it together and hold it together, and it really starts breaking apart after another. And it's like the the Army Hammer and those guys are just like a side kind of thing that's also going on. Um, but the whole movie is based off this this two, this one relationship between these two guys. Um, but and I but Eduardo and Andrew Garfield, the actor, carries that whole drama. I think very well. <laughs>
3: I think it's really funny, especially, and Kelly, I will not rag upon Army Hammer. Although if you've read the any of the uh gossip rags, uh you don't have to, he does it for himself. Um, but I find this movie so fascinating because as much as I love it, it is and to kind of go off what you were kind of saying, Steve, where it's like we're Harvard people, we we don't do this, we don't go to court and we don't see people. It's like, but don't you isn't that truly just the upper echelon of the world that we're like getting a sneak peek in where it's just like super privileged people and like granted you obviously have like mark and you have eduardo like being able to see this community because they're able to build this great product but it truly is just like how do we sue each other and like fuck over friendships <laughs> because of money and god i don't care how realistic that ending is or not to know that someone who had all this and has all this money now and is like a super quadrillionaire still can't get the one person to like him back it's like at the end of the day does money matter of course but like she's still not going to friend you on your own product buddy
1: well so i have a a question about that uh, opinion wise guys so that ending is total bullshit like it's it's oh yeah of course fabrication Erica's a complete fabrication uh Mark Zuckerberg had the same girlfriend the entire time through this and he married her and like <laughs> isn't like the relationship like Mark Zuckerberg and what Jesse Eisenberg is playing here are two completely unrelated things yeah. um so this and this is a thing Sorkin does a lot I just spent my whole day reading the Farnsworth invention which is a lot of the same it's a very similar kind of work where it's just like there is a thing that happened and I'm gonna kind of tell a fictionalized story based heavily on the facts of this thing that happened. Um, so, while technically it has that thing at the front that's like based on a true story, it has very little to do with a true story. And especially when you're dealing with somebody like, you know, obviously Philo Farnsworth is not alive, neither is David Sarnoff, but Mark Zuckerberg very much is. He's a real person. All of them are real people except for Eric Albright. Um, and But it is a heavily, openly fictionalized version. How do you guys... I remember when this movie came out being... I'm a huge Facebook fan, too. I'm not even one of those... I'm not a Facebook skeptic. I'm a big, big Facebook defender. Um, not in terms of the, like... Like, I think there's been a lot of bad things that have come out of it. But I think the intentions were good. And in my personal life, it has had ton... Exclusively and tons and tons and tons and tons of positive effects so from very very much from my own subjective privileged perspective i i have a positive feelings about facebook so i'm someone who's like pro sorkins interpretation of like you can fictionalize a story for the sake of telling a great story but i also like mark zuckerberg um which is contradictory so but I, at the time i was very like defensive of sorkins right to do that and then i when i watched it this time i wasn't as sure of what, whether i think that that was okay or as okay as I used to think it was where do you guys land on that
3: I personally um I think when I first watched it there is always that issue of like oh this is based off a real story but like considering how fictionalized is it and considering that actual reptilian Mark Zuckerberg um like that's I, I have no unlike you Kelly I have no like feelings um positive towards him Uh, especially now that I've like been able to work on the ad side with Facebook. It's just like, oh yes, this is how society crumbles. Um, I do obviously see like the benefits of it in terms of like connecting people, but I don't, I truly watch, watch this film and I'm like, this is all fictionalized. I know this is not real. I know that when he refreshes the thing at the end and I get that feeling of joy that like he's never gonna get the girl, like he has enough money that if he wanted to like, let's not say that if he wanted to like hide my body in the middle of the desert that's actually better than what i was going to say um no one (laughs) would ever look for me um but like i don't pity him because i truly don't think this movie was a blip even like obviously it was a blip on the radar but like i don't think he really i think
1: regardless of whether you think the person is a good person or not does anybody deserve or is that the right thing to do to tell because like we understand what's, and we can tell the difference between what's storytelling and what's based on real life. But you, well, if we've learned anything from Facebook, it's that you cannot count on the average person to be able to tell the difference between fact and fiction.
0: So yeah. I, I think if you just watched this movie and maybe seen the odd uh, news thing on Mark Zuckerberg, you're going to see him as a villain in some way i really do think that like if you don't actually know him (laughs) uh
3: like like, i do you
0: know (laughs) yeah like kelly does (laughs) um and like i don't know i don't know know what to like i don't know what to make of him because i don't i don't know him like you kelly but (laughs) uh like by based off this movie and based off the one thing that was said in the movie where um the lawyer says listen if you're putting a jury they're going to not like you just because of how you are. And even though that's unfortunate because it doesn't really mean you're a bad person. It's just because of how you are. But when I see him in like, in real life, doing those uh, robotic responses to his, his policies on Facebook, I, I think that's accurate.
3: <laughs> I mean, I think if, unfortunately he has become a public figure in the sense that like he's wide enough that like that'd be like if Anne Mullen popped up from the grave and was like I don't appreciate every interpretation you've done of me um un- because they have become so public and so like within the public conscience that like uh not fan interpretations oh my god but like historical retellings or whatever are gonna be a thing that happen, and like if he truly if someone in his stature truly didn't want that to happen they just never become public they just like hide in the shadows forever but like I guess unfortunately because I don't know if I'd want a fictional movie made about me but like once you become big enough you kind of are given over to the public conscience and people are allowed to make that and also like people watch Titanic now and they don't know that's real so I truly (laughs) am just like y'all we have Google just like is Mark Zuckerberg an actual reptilian? And it'll tell you no, he's not. But like
1: <laughs> you try Googling that because I disagree. I Yeah. It would he's a reptile. The first thing that's probably that meme where he wore too much sunscreen when surfing and everyone thought he was the Joker. You remember this?
3: <laughs> okay, fine. Is the Titanic real? Google will give you historical documents. Mark Zuckerberg being a reptilian, that's up to debate. Sorry, sorry,
4: you were saying something. Yeah, so I was going to say, I think um, reptilian memes of, like, reptiles controlling us has a lot of anti-Semitic roots. Like, that's where that, if you go back far enough, like, it, it has to do with, like, dehumanizing people. So, like, I I wouldn't engage with that rhetoric necessarily with Mark Zuckerberg, because I think it, it, the movie doesn't really, t- the movie briefly mm-hmm. touches on, like, um, like the fact that they can only get in the Jewish fr- fraternity, but that wasn't really so much a thing. But I think watching the movie, one of the things that made it unusual is, like, of course, if you do a historical movie, you have to bend fact. But it's very rare for somebody to do, like, a biopic about somebody who is still in the middle of their story. And when the movie came out, I remember a lot of people were like, this was too mean to Mark Zuckerberg. I'm like, yeah, because I think Jesse Eisenberg does enough. Like, he has a lot of subtle moments where you like, like, and it's Rashida Jones' great line at the end where she's like, you're not an asshole. You're just trying so hard to be. So like, there is this hint of redemption and there's enough vulnerability in Jesse Eisenberg's performance that you're like, yeah, you know what? He he might not be such a bad guy. 2020 though, I'm like, the movie was too nice to him. Because um, I just think like, it is just very interesting so like it's it's kind of a very kelly your point earlier about like the movie it held up well because of the technology but like but it is also kind of risky not just in terms of the technology's in advance but just mark zuckerberg's own public perception since i mean i'm a little fired up because it's election week and like we saw how facebook had a role in the 2016 elections and now in the 2020 elections last year he had that um he was like questioned by aoc about like are you going to fact check what's your like bias and it was just like it's very interesting how his his story's still not done. So it's just interesting that this movie like made a point sort of at the beginning of his trajectory.
2: Yeah, it,
1: it is so interesting to me. Like I remember when this movie was first announced, like before it was made, when because Sorkin takes a really long time to write anything in the first place. So there's like a long lag between when things are announced and when you actually see them. And I remember thinking like, that's a really risky thing to greenlight a movie about like a social like a an online thing that's really hot right now because it could be gone in a year and a half and then the movie will come out three years later it'll be so like and then even if it is still big when this movie comes out it'll be it'll feel so archaic so quickly and then it is like once in a lifetime that it happens to like the space in between the start of Facebook and the when this movie came out is smaller than the space between when this movie came out and present day which is baffling to me like it wasn't even the middle of his story in terms of Facebook it was the beginning still like he was like in his 20s when this movie came out it's just so trippy
0: I don't know and it's also it's also based on a book right like yeah the accidental billionaires yeah so the book also had that question of, like, we're releasing... The, like, I don't exactly know what the book is about. I assume it's the exact same thing? No, well, it's uh, entirely the, the, the real story. Oh, it's the actual story, and not the fictionalized story. Yeah, book. no, it's a non... It's an,
1: it's sort of like Moneyball is a statistics book, and then he, like, okay. wrote there's a story, you know?
3: Okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting, at least, especially since, like, technically, as you said, Kelly, the movie came out in 2010. Facebook was started in 2004, Um, and truly the book and the movie are just like this is the inception of Facebook Um, and it gives you kind of an idea of like where it could go but like kind of to your point Saya, we truly did not know where it was going to go and like it it does paint him significantly more like a better person than like what he has does anyone history has made him become
1: because I remember thinking when this movie came out that one of the like fun little details of it was what looking at all the old interfaces from early Facebook. Because I got Facebook in mm-hmm. early 2006 and this was late 2010. So I remember I were they there was a not the first iteration that they show, but one of the middle phases that they show is what Facebook looked like when I got it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's so cute. But I don't remember now what it looked like in 2010. But I think that the switch over, I think. It, it wasn't they hadn't yet introduced the news feed or if they had it was still new and the news feed is what happened to the world like mm-hmm. before that, like facebook was kind of my and it was all about like it was addictive in that you would click on your friends and stalk them but it was the news feed element that destroyed the world and i actually don't remember if that had even happened yet when this movie came out
2: i
0: don't I, I don't think so i don't think
2: it
1: had and so it like the idea of like what Facebook would become is not even remotely related to what it was in 2010, which is such a bizarre, Mm -hmm. is it really like you didn't like follow news organizations or anything. You just, it was literally just like photos of your friends and then like finding out who was single, which I always laugh at that scene where he's like, are you single and who are you interested in? Because like, those are the two facts the two features that everybody hides on their Facebook profile like nobody uses those features because they make people feel too exposed and that's like the whole he was so excited about them (laughs) and then those are like the first two features everyone was like how do I circumvent these
3: I just remember like back at least in 2010 you'd add all those stupid groups where like I don't even remember a name of a stupid group but like in comparison now where like you have to like remove them because how they're trying to filter you into these groups and like the groups are more either political or they're more like, because like back in the day, it'd be like, I really love Inception. And like, that was the group you were in. Um, But now you would never have a group like that because of how Facebook is used as a social media is completely different.
1: I also think some of my perspective on Facebook comes from like, the way I've, I've always been a heavy Facebook user, I've never been someone who just like, set it up and kind of had it. And so all of my Like all of my friends are sorted into hyper specific groups of who gets to see what information and like what I'm a member of is very specifically determined my security settings are like locked down. And so I don't get that kind of stuff I don't see like I never see really political posts other than my friend Weldon, Um, and he agrees with me about everything. And I can see how that is dangerous if all you're seeing is the people who agree with you. But I never see any toxic stuff. I never see any fake stuff. I'm never there. No one's ever trying to get me in a group. I'm never like my my ads are not targeted correctly because I've got enough like settings done. So it's just kind of my experience of it is so specific to my experience of it. And it's just I don't see a lot of the stuff that happens to other people that draws them into toxic things and so i have a hard time being like but why would why would you click on a group that you didn't
0: want to be a part i'm
1: only in corona cold reads and then the group for my building because we can all complain about the property manager
0: yeah it's like maybe you have some uh, bad company
3: <laughs> well like it's also and I personally don't have this because like when I graduated high school, I like deleted everyone. When I graduated college, if I didn't like you, I deleted you and I have no family on there. But like, there's certain people you, it's like, unlike how the internet was maybe 10 years ago when like everyone you knew wasn't online now they are. So like if your aunt Susie has a racist opinion, you can't defriend her. Because she's going to realize you unfriended her and be very upset at the next family barbecue. I don't
1: know. You can 100% mute her. You can even block her without her knowing.
3: True, true. But you still, like, some people (laughs) are, like,
1: a way to deprioritize her in the algorithm.
3: True. Uh, I speak as a hypothetical. I have no (laughs) idea.
1: Kelly's obsessed with Steve. (laughs) So I've had to, like, unfollow him for 30 days so that it resets. So that I can see other people who aren't just Steve.
3: (laughs) Well, some people won't. They're just like, oh, I'll just ignore her posts. And then, like, if Aunt Susie keeps posting. But granted, I don't know the algorithm algorithm and I don't
1: know. Is that like, I think, I don't tend to, and, you know, grain of salt, everybody has it, but like, I tend to think of Mark Zuckerberg as dangerously naive as opposed to like, malicious which tends to be the general word on him these days that we were like yeah. he's evil I'm like I think he's kind of dumb like I think yeah. he's really naive I, think <laughs> I did not know what he was creating he did not have any foresight and then he gets defensive and I think that he has no business still running the company because it has no Facebook as it currently is and what it's currently capable of he has no ability to govern that because he's just not he's just underprepared um and it got away from him and got bigger and stranger and people used it in a way he didn't intend for it to be used and he needs to step away and let other people and like submit it to um regulation and let other people run it and that kind of thing and that's what he's doing actively wrong but in terms of like intent i think he it's coming from a place of Na- naivete and then like a proprietorship thing because he has lost so much in order to create the monster so he doesn't want to like give the monster away even though
0: he should knows the mon. he can't keep you know it's like
1: those people who adopt baby tigers
0: <laughs> but it's also like you probably have enough money you can retire like you don't know yeah, he doesn't
1: to... want to he doesn't care yeah. about the money that's something they establish in the movie
0: no but but what i'm saying is that like he doesn't need to take control of it anymore. He doesn't he can step back.
1: I know but he doesn't want to. It's not about the money. It's about like he just Favorite le- Tiger. Yeah, well he's like, you know, i think he's got a proprietorship. I do think he's he's lost a lot about like i think the well yes, a lot of it is fictional. I think some of the emotional beats are true and i think the like one of the reasons the Eduardo story is so compelling is that like no matter how much of it is fictionalized, the core of you had a best friend, you made a thing together, you're no longer best friends, and he sued you. Whatever the details of it are, those like those are the facts of the case, and they are they are undisputed, and they are tragic and heartbreaking and sad. And so I think that like that kind of thing, he has given up stuff, and I think when that happens you end up clinging on to this thing that you shouldn't be clinging on to anymore. I don't know. That's my best guess. I don't think he's I guess, malicious. I, he's I guess kind I of...
0: mean stepping down from things that are like, when people are asking these questions about like laws and bigger ideas that he just can't handle. Like a lawyer should be answering these questions or a, a, a media person or um, a spokesperson should be answering these questions on him. that he shouldn't be in the spotlight and then people shouldn't, because then he's going to get, anger and death threats and all this other shit yeah
1: i think there's also i think he has a really hard time understanding like i think he's clinging to intention and he doesn't understand like i made a thing it's meant to be used this way and the fact that it is being used this way he's like yeah but the way to solve that is not me changing my thing so that you can't use it this way it's you Fixing your behavior to use it fucking this way because that's what it was supposed to do, and he, he can't get into his brain that he, he, the like cat or a whatever that expression is, the toothpaste is out of the tube, and he can't, regardless of the fact that he like clearly didn't intend for it to be used this way, it is, and he it's his responsibility to fix that, even if what he created was meant to be used the other way.
0: And I don't know. Yeah, the great great power comes great responsibility type of thing
1: yeah yeah I think he just didn't know what he was getting himself into and doesn't know when to back away and let this the smarter people handle it um and fix it and change it um but he makes me sad that's all I just I feel bad <laughs> for him I think he was well-intentioned and it's just been uh, become a, it's become a big mess and it makes me sad
4: I'd be very curious because I know Sorkin like briefly mentioned once like the possibility of the sequel. I would just be so curious what a sequel to the social network would be and like what the take on Zuckerberg would be now or like even if they did a trilogy like okay we'll do one in the 2020s and then like 2030s just like track this because I, I don't know like Zuckerberg still has who knows how many years in the public eye. Who knows what face role Facebook's going to play. So it's just kind of interesting to watch it unfold.
1: I agree. And I, one of the things I find interesting about this movie is that like Sorkin clearly has a somewhat negative view of Zuckerberg, but it's not like a condemning view because he does have humanity for him. He has humanity for pretty much everybody in the movie except Sean Parker. Um, and so I'm in, I am interested in like, what is Sorkin's point of view on zuckerberg like does he think he's sad or does he think he's evil or you know because this movie doesn't really give you an answer on that and so i i I would be curious um whether he would be a tragic figure or a villainous figure you know in a later seasons later years
3: i don't know at least in how facebook is viewed at the moment it would be possible to do like another movie like this until we're kind of like over the hump of like Facebook isn't just seen like until Facebook either cleans up its image or completely like goes pure dark side. I feel like it's still in these kind of like murky waters of like, I wouldn't know where like a clean resolution or a clean ending, I guess would be. Cause at least in the the movie you have, it's the the courtroom drama like how it came to be and this is where we are but like here would be like where do you end at like the congressional hearings at the 2016 election like yeah
0: i i think the one thing the movie could have done slightly better is uh press on that these guys are very young and they're still like um they're still like dealing with relationships and their own self-esteem and all this other sh- shit that these guys seem so confident in this, in this movie about what they're what they can do and they're very intelligent people uh, for what they know how to do but they're still like children in some sense in some senses and they're still growing um, Wait, isn't
3: that kind of addressed though when you had Eduardo's character dating the girl who was yes a, a not Emotionally stable, maybe. Yes, um, but that
0: could be someone in their thirties as well. Like that relationship, you could see in thirties. So that's why I'm. It's just I. I mean, like you can't see it. Oh, already. I know. I, I just
3: that is terrifying.
0: It is terrifying. but I, What I'm also, saying is that just just pushing the fact that these are children, they're they're children. You know, adult children, deal uh with with these big these their fingers on the big button type of thing.
1: I agree with you. I think that's a major. Part of Mark Zuckerberg's story is that he is like just a stunted child who got in over his head. Um, I think that's a big part of this story. um And something I didn't notice when I was saw it when I was young, because I'm like younger, just a little bit younger than them. Where I, I the first time I saw it, I was younger than the characters, and now I'm older than the characters. And so this was the first time watching it where I was like, they're so little. Whereas, obviously, when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, look at those big, handsome adults. Um, but so someone brought up Brenda's Song. Let's talk about Brenda's Song. This is a controversial element of the movie. Sorkin, not known for writing great women. Um, She's the crazy girlfriend whose character is basically just that she's crazy. Thoughts and feelings.
0: Which, which one is this? Is this Sean Parker's? It's Eduardo's girlfriend. Oh, her. Okay.
3: I mean, I love when a woman sets things on fire and has to have people deal with it, but she was not well-written.
1: But you love
3: the setting of things on fire? Oh, just, like, in general. Like, not having anything to do with, like, why she set it on fire, but, like...
0: Okay, scared I, I, of three. I don't I don't understand the like she seemed perfectly fine most of the movie until later on when when he starts complaining about her and then we see that scene um, where she is going crazy, but uh, where she's, you know, whatever. Um, I think
1: what happened was he yeah. used her to move a plot point or to make <laughs> Eduardo feel something and so he just like used her character to serve a function instead of having her be a character.
0: Right, because they all, they had to, he had to also get a girlfriend because Mark didn't have one.
1: Yeah, it was a contrast thing. Yeah. Susan, what do you think?
2: Um, Now that the fire trucks are gone, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree that she was just a plot point instead of a person. Um, And I I think it's interesting the way that wasn't true of Rooney Mara's character. I will say that the only thing I remembered about this movie before watching it yesterday was the first scene and the last shot with the only, they were the only things that stuck for me. Um, I was, I didn't remember there were other women in it. Um, even when I saw them on screen, I was like, oh yeah, and I guess they weren't really people. Um,
0: they were directed as people though. I I did like, she was listening to a lot of like the, the meetings and there were, they were part of the scene even though they really weren't written like uh, script wise
1: i mean i this is a, an interesting conversation so, like the brenda song part of it and the fact that she just like does a crazy thing because bitches be crazy that drives me crazy and that is like a sorkinism thing that comes from laziness more than anything and it always irritates me because it's if it, he's better than that and he doesn't bother to be a lot of the time um the other criticism on the sort of like feminist front that comes up about this movie is that there are not enough women and that one I'm a little bit like you know, one of one of the two there were three major lawyer characters one of them's female he could have upped that number it could have been two to one It's don't well oh, I wasn't Eduardo's,
0: Eduardo's you know, lawyer
1: I wasn't counting Rashida Jones I was in addition to the people I was talking about um but he did include Rashida Jones who is not a, a real character it is very easy to argue that Erica is like the sort of most important character if you will and then the other characters in the story on like an assignment basis what he was handed was a book of about things that happen to real people and there aren't very many women there are no women in that story every single character in the facebook story is a dude Mm -hmm. so i don't the lack of women i do think brenda song's character the fact that she serves a purpose instead of being a person bothers me all the other women i think that like the fact that there are a couple who are interesting and memorable is kind of an achievement and the criticism of the lack of other ones doesn't really hold up because it's just plain a story about men um what it isn't however is a story about all white people let's talk about that for a second because we have
2: Brazilian Andrew Garfield you mean
1: yes there's that uh also uh oh I just looked up his name and I forget what it is already but the guy who works with the Winklevi is like Indian or something and Max Minghella though a mixed-raced individual is not the same race as the person that he's portraying and Jen really kind of reads as Italian. So why when you have characters in the actual story that would make your film be a more diverse film why don't you just cast them accurately? No? Yes? No? I, mean,
3: I mean in 21 it was a story about like a bunch of Asians and they cast a bunch of white people because they thought that would sell better which Hollywood be Hollywood
1: yes Hollywood be Hollywood but these weren't even the main characters right like they still got to hire Jesse Eisenberg and Justin Timberlake but it was just like weird it just felt arbitrary and stupid like why it felt like you went out of your way to get rid of all of the people of color (laughs) strange
4: Saya, what were you gonna say I was going to say, even though we were talking about the great evils of social media earlier, one of the things social media has done that's good is it's allowed marginalized voices a platform. So I think this movie was made in 2010. This was at the beginning of when we started having those conversations about representation and diversity and having them actually be widespread. Because I think before that, it might be something you complain about to your friends, but that wasn't like necessarily a mainstream conversation. Like there might be an article or two about it, but like, Oscar so white. That wasn't a hashtag until like 2014, 2015. Like we didn't exactly. see these mass movements. So like this, cause I w- I was reading about this too. And I was like, oh, like why did you cast this Indian character with like a European actor? And I-, I just think like that wasn't something that was a controversy. Cause I just think we didn't have the social movements that we have at the time. So it wasn't like a consideration which it should have been, but it just wasn't.
1: True this is true it's just one of the one of the points on which the movie doesn't age as well as although it is one of the points that like if you don't look up the person you don't know so although eduardo saverin i mean he mentions being brazilian in that oh does he yes i don't remember that line but his name is eduardo saverin and then the actor's name is literally andrew garfield <laughs> Um, sorry, we're all reading reading the chat. Um, does anybody have anything
2: else to say about this movie? Can we talk about how the sound? Yes, Trent music. Reznor, and how movies didn't sound like that in 2010, but now a lot of them do. It was just so good. In I t- remember, I remember when Trent Reznor, when Trent Reznor was announced on that project, and we were all like what that's a terrible idea um and that turned out to be true it sounded the soundtrack was so amazing it really is it's an ex- it's
0: actually very David Fincher to me like it's it's not Aaron mm-hmm. Sorkin it's it doesn't seem like a social network soundtrack but is yeah. it very David Fincher I think that I actually kind of, sorry go ahead uh I I I think it's it gives the intensity of David Fincher that especially mm-hmm. the this new era cuz this is sort of a new era new brand of david fincher um cuz the next two movies after this have the same sort of feel yeah um and are even like packaged dvd wise the same way like it's it's just yeah this brand that he's putting out um but i know some friends of mine that are huge sound guys they love trent ranceor before this they love this soundtrack it is they're obsessed it's uh I haven't heard it outside of the movie
1: it's a fantastic soundtrack it's one of the reasons why I think this movie it's one of it's one of the greatest like Oscar snubs of all time was this for best picture because not just like I'm very fussy about best picture because I don't always want it to go to my favorite movie of the year because often my favorite movie of the year is just the one with the best script or has the best lead performance or whatever but this movie it was like Every single element of filmmaking, like the score, was you're right, Susan, like it changed how scores were made forever. There's so many like found instruments in the score and all that kind of thing. The way like the color looked, the casting across the entire board, right down to the supporting characters, like obviously the script, obviously direction, like everything works together to make a whole picture that is really effective. Um, which is w- what should win Best Picture, not just the thing with the best script that made made it the best movie because it was an amazing script. Um, but what was something I was going to say? Oh, about the Fincher thing. I actually think that their collaboration is the key to this movie because I remember when Jobs came out, I re- read some quote by someone whose name I don't remember that said that like uh, Sorkin plus uh, Boyle Boyle took Sorkin's like very dramatic script and set it on fire. And Mm -hmm. what Fincher did was toss a bunch of cold water on it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And because Sorkin's got his style, right? He's very dramatic, very theatrical, whatever. You're not going to change Sorkin, but in directing him certain ways, you can either set it on fire or toss cold water on it. And what Fincher did for Sorkin, like if you close your eyes, it's still a very Sorkin movie. The structure is classic Sorkin, the dialogue is classic. It's a Sorkin movie. But because what he brought to it was so the antithesis of stylistically, everything we associate with Sorkin, they met in the middle in a really interesting way. Um, Whereas like Boyle just leaned into like drama and it exploded because you can't do that. I think I, I don't I'm not generally a huge Fincher fan, but I think that the combination here was really effective.
0: See, I'm I'm a Fincher and a Boyle fan, but Jobs was horrible. (laughs) <laughs> and and like I agree completely with your like it's was just the combination of them just didn't fit
1: with that mystery other person who said that thing
3: <laughs> um just going on the soundtrack I remember in when the Oscars came out and Inception lost to it I was very much one of those Inception people I look back and rewatch that movie and I'm like oh I was cute um and now that I'm older and more mature I like listen to both soundtracks and like I still love Hans Zimmer's soundtrack for Inception I think it's incredible but like as you guys have already much more eloquently said than I could um the soundtrack for the social network was just I'm so sorry the soundtrack for the social network is just something that like we hadn't really heard and then when you listen to kind of other stuff he did like not to use the Black Mirror episode, but like the Black Mirror episode. Um, And it's just like, Trent seems like a very cool dude who's open to like creating a lot of interesting stuff or using his music in like the weirdest of ways, like a Miley Cyrus pop song. And it's really like fascinating to kind of watch him just continue to progress.
1: Speaking of music, one of the pieces of casting that I love a whole bunch is Justin Timberlake. because i i sean parker is obviously incredibly annoying and although a google of him was very interesting apparently he's like a huge philanthropist now and like a quote-unquote good person which i found very interesting <laughs> um because he's sean parker but um the that character i think is the least interestingly written character because he is just kind of a cartoon but i think that there's so many interesting layers to the casting of justin timberlake because the explosion of Napster was right around when he was going solo. And so it was like at the very height of like Justin phenomena. And so the amount of money that Sean Parker personally stole from Justin Timberlake. So the fact that Justin Timberlake made a pile of money playing Sean Parker makes me so happy.
2: I also love him trying to hold his smirk in when he says anybody who's ever won a Grammy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Delightful. (laughs) So it, he's, it, like, it's such an inspired, like, I don't think he's a good actor, but it, it's such an inspired piece of casting that is so, just in itself, such an entertaining idea. Mm-hmm. And then also it, it, like, really adds to that, like, Justin Timberlake, whether, like, I'm not super into his music, but he has that, like, kind of ridiculous Hollywood He's got like a sparkle factor. My friend Rachel always talks about there's a moment in the bye-bye-bye video where he like lands and he just kind of like laughs at the camera and he like like tilts his head up at the camera or something. And she's like that right there. That's the moment where you're like, that kid's a star. <laughs> and so he just has that like inevitable quality that with very little screen time, he's able to come in and like explain how Uh, um, Mark would have been so entranced by him and he has that star quality that um, makes him seem larger than life it's a Backstreet Boys song and they're better than NSYNC anyway
3: they are better than NSYNC they
1: are they're on I'm
3: also glad that you said that like we don't think he's a great actor because I was about to be like did do we think JT is a great actor oh no no he's just great casting
4: Okay. Um, he was in model behavior. That was amazing.
1: I <laughs> love that movie. That was his first foray into screen acting. He wasn't good in it, but he it was a great made for TV. That was
4: the best performance.
1: Yep, I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I had it on. I had like recorded it off the TV on an old VHS, and then my brother recorded over it, and I never let him forget it.
0: He's still it's paying also, for that. He's also in that movie. Something. Something. Dogs. Alpha Dog. Is he in that movie? I don't know what that is. He
3: is, and I hate that I know that movie because yeah. it's like some tiny, tiny film that I had to like help work on when I was working at Lionsgate and I was like, what is this trash? And the sheer fact that you brought that memory back horrifies me. But yeah, I guess he was in that film.
1: That was the single most interesting side anecdote I've <laughs> ever heard, Bree. You worked on that movie when you were working. Oh.
3: when when i worked on that movie it was like i helped in like inputting data for distribution deals i did not work on that film but
1: i didn't know you worked at Lionsgate that's so interesting
3: i also worked at nbc universal but yeah um god that just (laughs) it was like such a weird movie and i'm like what and then i like split that away to never think of again so thank you (laughs) i
0: I have vague like i have vague images of that movie i remember watching it but it's yeah it's also a bunch of dudes mostly
1: most things are (laughs) um because men won't watch stories about mostly women Um, i had this fight with one of my male friends literally last night because he's like that's not why i didn't watch little women i'm like but yes it is (laughs) anyway um saya i think you should talk more because every single thing you've said has been really smart and interesting
4: i don't I, I feel like everyone else has covered it. i mean susan with her soundtrack comments like that is hard to top um <laughs> yeah. susan also very very smart i don't know the last thing i had my last thought about this movie it was very silly but um because i was rewatching the testimony with when Zuckerberg was being interrogated by AOC. And I'm like, ha, remember, you didn't say this. Remember your dig about BU students not needing to study? Look where it got you now, because she destroyed him. And if I were Aaron Sorkin, I would include that in my sequel. And I just (laughs) had like this weird BU (laughs) undercurrent to all of them. And that is my last contribution. I I true.
1: It is, I, I'm, uh... I'm a centrist, and I still even, I love to bring up that she was in my graduating class. I never met her, but you know what? Because of Facebook, I know that we have mutual friends.
2: Ooh.
1: I, because I checked them out. I had a suspicion. I had like a <laughs> most likely suspect of like who was on my friend list, most likely to have been friends with AOC in university. And yep, one degree of separation. CAS <laughs> 2011. <laughs>
0: That makes all of us too.
1: <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. I feel like Saya and Bree, though they were in different graduating classes, they at least were there at the same time mm. as her. So close enough.
3: I like the chicken subplot. It wasn't really oh, a subplot, great. but like just the fact that they brought up he fed his chicken. Chicken. I'm sure that was real, and it, I it brings awesome. me humor when I think about it every time.
1: It's an awesome section of the movie too because the, both the writing and the performances are so good because it is so silly and so weird but it's also like an emotional touch point for those characters in their relationship that's just like really quite affecting and to be able to do that with such a silly thing I think is really impressive but you know Andrew looks so sad and so
4: hurt and then Andy. I felt that.
3: Shamed. <laughs> Chicken cannibalism
4: one of the interesting things about like the whole subplot of like getting into the club it just like I'm I don't really know enough about the topic but just like the way that it presents like old wealth and new wealth and like they're both kind of ridiculous because we have the clubs and like I enjoyed the Winklevai like as we talked about earlier like we are Harvard gentlemen so it's like this very like old school way of thinking and it's like the clubs are prestigious because they're Like this old wealth, and they are just because they've been around for so long. But it's like they're ridiculous, like they're having people, they're kidnapping people in the middle of the night to like puke and strip in front of the statue, and they're like carrying around chickens. But then, like, we, I don't know, it's just like this interesting contrast between the two types of wealth, but they're both ultimately ridiculous and both kind of empty at the end of the day. I just thought that was an interesting theme that they kind of introduced, but yeah. Yeah, it's
0: like people like the, the, the exclusive part and the the goal of getting to something that's exclusive. But then when you get there, it's kind of just like a party.
1: Well, and that's sort of Harvard <laughs> in general, right? Like so much of its power comes from its age. I like, think there's that conversation of like, this building is a hundred years older than the country that it's in. But like everyone I know who went to Harvard was, especially undergrad was like, it's not very good because all of the classes are taught by TAs because all of the professors are only there to like do their research and things like that. And they're not actually showing up to their classes. And so apparently it's like not a particularly rigorous academic environment. It's just really, really hard to get into. And it's really prestigious. And like the actual education that you get, at least in undergrad, I do think that like Harvard Law School probably has something going for it. But like the undergrad, what I've heard at least is that the benefit to your career and life entirely comes from what the Winklevi point out, which is harvard.edu. And like using having that email and being able to put on your resume that you went to Harvard, as opposed to the actual like knowledge that you gained from your Harvard education, that from what I understand is actually not that much more valuable than say a BU education. But it's that difference in prestige of what you get to put on your resume. So it is this kind of like weird hollow. It's it's just for show.
3: Also wasn't there the thing where like we at BU had great deflation and they had great inflation because I know I was pissed about that.
1: I don't know I was in the film and TV department so uh, when he made that crack about BU I was like I mean I haven't studied once so I don't I don't know but also I mean like sorkin's degree is in musical theater from the university of syracuse so he didn't study either so like, i don't know when everyone was like he's being so just condescending i'm like no he's not
2: market it. it's different why,
3: look why did he just pick tufts like tufts was physically closer to harvard it's no don't okay, get yeah. me started that's <laughs> fine but yeah fun movie chicken it'll cannibalism it'll be okay. Okay. on fire
0: I, I had this one note uh, about the beginning, the first scene. I think there's some, it's it's written, written very well, but when you first watch it, I remember my first time watching it, I was so lost. I felt like it was going by so fast, the dialogue was going by so fast, and that it was sort of alienating me to wanting to know what was going on. Um, It does sort of slow down in the middle of its own scene, and and all of the points are there, and it ends like she breaks up with him. Like that's the main, the biggest point of that scene. But all of the the big dramatic uh, beats that that are happening, and they're and they're happening like every line, um, are just lost. I think um, in that scene, especially because of the speed. And I don't know if, if that's just a Sorkin and David Fincher thing, or just a mistake that. I had to get through all of this dialogue. Apparently, it's seven or eight pages of dialogue.
1: How much Sorkin have you watched, though? I've, that's... Watched all
0: of, I've watched all of the newsroom, and I've seen a few of his other movies.
1: Okay, but you, so you've seen it all after Social Network, though?
0: Um, yes.
1: That was probably just it, right? But, I mean, how many
0: people were like me, but how many people were like me, right? That's, that's very, very possible. So, um, I also
1: think part of that is like, I'd have to go back and watch it because it's not something I was looking for. But does he talk a lot faster than she does?
0: It's it's a back and forth and it's really fast, both of them. It, he talks, he has a lot more to say in a lot of his lines. So he gets through them quicker. And that's just like an, an impressive thing. Yeah. Um, but it's really quick. Like it, it, the dialogue starts before you see their faces. It happens in the in the opening, like whatever it is um that be that because
1: that becomes a question of like okay he's got this trademark style and it works or it doesn't work depending on your perspective and that's totally subjective but then what's better writing than just having a personal style that's really quick and fun is to have a differentiation in your character voices that's strong enough that like the idea of mark is that he's going so fast that he's supposed to be leaving you behind because it's like a smart character thing that you hear sorkin talk about is like it doesn't matter if you don't know what they're talking about you just need to know that they know what they're talking about but then have if erica's working at like a human pace and that immediately sets us off on the right track in terms of understanding who these people are and the differences in how they approach the world and the fact that like he is not able to be understood by anybody and she's someone who like can exist in the world among other people um but I'd have to go back and see if he did that or if it was just like he's got a house style and he it.
4: I think right. he did that because there was a couple of times when like Mark would be like talking and he'd jump ahead like you could kind of see him you could connect the dots but like she'd she's like wait what go back because he would be going ahead and she kind of stops like what are you talking about and he'd you kind of got the sense that he was like jumping ahead. And then like, as the audience like, oh, I, I see where he connected the thoughts, but she definitely like questioned him a few times, which wasn't the usual sort in like back and forth. But like when she got pissed, that's when she kind of caught up to him because I think anger, anger is great at building momentum. But like when they're just talking and she's trying to be nice, there were a few moments where she was like, well, go back. Um.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it's a great scene, but I think as an opener, it's jarring. I think that's what it is, and and I was like alienated from it. I was like, I don't know if I got everything from it. So now I don't know if I, if I got the the premise of the movie. Like I like, and and we were going into the opening credits after that, and no dialogue for a good minute. Um, so I was like, okay, I feel like I'm lost already. Um, but that that's what I remember when I first saw this movie a, a many years ago. And it still sort of felt jarring this time around. Yeah.
1: I mean. Sorry, I'm listening. I swear, I was just looking at election results. Um, yeah. I, I also think that something that Fincher does with Sorkin work that nobody else really does, which is like he felt there were lots of slow, silent parts. Like, he put in the really long, I feel like this, it always comes down to this, but the scene of the race, of the, like, <laughs> the crew race, that's so long. And it's, like, very, like, why is this happening? But there are, and then the opening credits are really long as well. And there's sort of these, like, long stretches of nothing's really happening. And it's just kind of, like, shots of the school. Um, and there are just, like, breaks with no dialogue, um, which, like, Sorkin's so known for just, like, talk, 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 talk. That it is like a very specific stylistic and a way to like break up the, I don't know, the pacing. And then the fact that the last scene is totally silent and it's just him clicking the mouse, I think is really effective. Because it's just like talk, 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 talk. And then like the rest is silence because there's no one left to talk to, to get really like cheesy about
2: it. And that's a great book ending too of the movie, which is why it's the only thing I remembered after 10 years. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Um, I also just love the irony of the fact that like she's this impetus and then she, of course, has a Facebook page, because everybody has one. And even if you kind of are someone who like doesn't want one, you probably have one. Um, Otherwise, you are inconvenient to invite to things. (laughs)